check check one two one two making sure you guys can hear me what up it's a hot one today good evening alan can you hear me want to make sure you can hear me and we're just going to get started and roll with it just let me know you can hear me hey susan hope you guys can hear me you hearing me Hello, Terry. All right. Hello, Denise. You guys can hear me, right? Okay. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Live Show. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on YouTube, on Stitcher, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify. Today, we have an amazing guest, Kat Dyson on who will be discussing um, the PRN alumni event this weekend for Chance Howard. She's always in my hair. I'm really looking forward to chopping it up with Kat. Make sure um, also to stick around for the after show afterwards, rather things when we go off. But uh, right now, let's get to it before uh, our power grids do it. So we need a new power generator with what's going on in LA. Here is the one, the only musician guitarist, Kat Dyson. Hey, Kat. Hello, hello, hello. Hi from sunny, less hot LA. <laughs> it's crazy. Hopefully you guys can hear her as well. Let me know I'm hearing her. But I uh, want to make sure already people are so excited to, uh, to have you on, Kat. It's been ridiculously hot this week. As you were saying, though, a little bit cooler today, right? Just a little bit. It is cooler. Um, I'm 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 in on the LA side, but on the Valley side, yesterday it was 116. <laughs> yeah. <Real> degrees. <laughs> and make so, sure yeah. to share the show, everyone. As uh, Cody just brought up, thanks. Yes, it's been ridiculously hot, but you're used to that. You know, performing in, in crazy and venues around the world, right? just kind of roll with it you gotta roll with it exactly now see you're like it's gonna be hot i'm gonna sit out on my deck I'm gonna have some champagne with me we're gonna chill wow. so already we got the comments coming in from youtube someone's putting this that they love your hat up <laughs> so now uh let's discuss first before we get into your career and everything else let's make sure we discuss she's always on my hair this saturday which is going to be a panel discussion with some of the incredible women who shared their talent and creativity with prince and it's hosted by sinbad it's yourself along with cora coleman kenny dolfer maite garcia shelby J, and rhonda smith what a lineup it was so nice seeing everybody and talking to everybody and Sinbad kind of being there to kind of to tell the jokes. It, you know, got we all got pretty emotional at one point and he he kept everything light. But it was it was good seeing each other and you know, even though, you know, we all entered and exited maybe Paisley at different times, there's a kindred spirit there. We all felt it, so it was really, really good. Right. 
I'm just gonna love that. And people should know it it has been pre-recorded, but it's gonna be an amazing show that you guys can make sure someone can post the link. Uh, we did post it at the beginning, but I wanna make sure you guys have it since it's not highlighted. Uh, it's $10 for the PRN alumni. It's already been pre-recorded, but it's an amazing show that you guys definitely wanna make sure that you do not miss. And it's going to a very good cause for Chance Howard. Yeah, you know. As he recovers from the horrific car accident he had a few months ago, and you know he's got to get back in shape because we miss him. Candy misses him. We all miss him. MBG misses him. You know the music world misses him. So he he needs a bit of uh, financial boost to you know get him through the the long and arduous uh, physical therapy and get back into shape. But he's in good spirits, and he's just you know really happy that. You know, everybody's you know coming to his aid, so that's the main reason to go. I mean, that we're there is is extra, but it's it's for him. If you if you love MPG and if you love funky music and you love everything you've seen him do with Candy and everybody else, then please come out and and support Chance. Definitely, and for Chance, it's always a good thing. I just it's so sad what happened to him, but here's hoping that this will help him with everything uh, going on. Now, let's get to you, because, you know, these people may not yeah. see you. Of course, yes. Like, it's so funny, because I'll be going to gigs in LA, and here will be Kat playing, playing at the event, whether it's Sheila or whether it's with other people, and you're always, like, one of the last people to leave, you're talking with people after the show. I see that, and that's always really cool, you know? But now, when you first started working with Prince, it was for Emancipation, the Jam of the Year tour. Now, he originally was completed with Emancipation when you came on, but he still had you record on it, correct? Yes, I was very, very uh, blessed and lucky. Um, as we started our rehearsals, you know, for the upcoming tour and, you know, things that I would do that were different from what he would do, he would go, hey, can you put that in this? Can you, that chord voicing, can you add that to this? And I, I never know, I never knew when it would happen, but, you know, we both play guitar. I was pretty much there to, you know, to be uh, a guitar support and, uh, you know, that he actually let me play on the record, like I said, was was more than generous so yes right and that you know i think we were introduced to you um with the emancipation concert which was broadcast live on mtv vh1 bt and i'm sure like your friends you're playing guitar and then you were on jam of the year you were kind of on top of like you were your vocals were there, but it was also Rosie Gaines. We're like, wow, she sounds a lot like Rosie. But we were more impressed with your guitar playing and how it allowed Prince to kind of be a showman more so, and you were able to concentrate on all the guitar parts aside from Purple Rain. Well, I mean, you know, I'm standing next to him. He's showing me the parts. So if you're worth your salt, you got to get him. You got to jump in there. Um, prior mm -hmm. to working with him, I was already on the road with Cindy Lauper, who had already worked with him. And, and, you know, she also did When You Were Mine. So they loved and respected each other. So I had just finished touring, actually, with Cindy. And Cindy 
was uh, about to go and start her family. She's, you know, trying to get pregnant. She had just got married. And she's like, hey, if the prince calls you, you know, go check it out. And um, so I was kind of out there doing that type of thing, but not at the same, with the same fans, with the same, because it was more in the rock, you know, the rock field. And um, he made me pull out, you know, all of my southern roots, all of the funk, you know, all of the jazz, all of the things that I went to school for. You know, he was always pushing the envelope because he pushed himself. So, of course, he pushed us. Yes, definitely. We always hear that about him pushing people and other other things like that, trying to get them out of their comfort zone. And sometimes it could be a little tough, especially when you're in like when your rehearsals are like COVID, where it's blending into every day seems like the same, you know, uh, stuff. And I know that that can be hard. Um, some people are saying it's a little bit hard to hear you. So I'm going to try to have you speak a little bit louder if you can. I'm sorry. Um, but okay. how are those things when, uh, when in rehearsal with him and then him being on that and trying to push you to the next level? Well, I mean, it, it, it wasn't even about a next level. It was just about um, executing the musical ideas the way he saw them. Because when they're in your head and you have to you know, tell other people about them, it's not necessarily hard. It's just linking into his idea. Now, because we both play guitar, he could actually show me, you know, and he right. played every instrument so he could actually show you. But there are little nuances. Um, but I, I didn't find it necessarily hard because I have brothers and I'm used to the vibration of how men work. So I, I didn't find it. I didn't find it difficult, but there were a lot of hours because there was a lot of nuance. You know, some artists are more nuanced, some are less. He had the exact idea about how he exactly wanted everything at the exact time. Cindy Lauper was more organic, where she would, you would play it like the record, but then she'd say, ah, change that a little bit and put your personality in. When he wanted me to do that, he would say so. When he didn't, he didn't. Right, definitely. Now, what was the comparison? Is uh, audio better? Is that, is that a little bit better? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I don't, I don't understand why we're having a little bit of a harder time. And of course, with the StreamYard, we're not able to turn up the volume. But it's a little bit I want you to be comfortable, though. I want them to be able to hear you. So okay. it's all good. Now, you mentioned Cindy Lauper. And another person that, uh, that you performed with that people were asking questions about was Colin James. Like, how was that experience with Colin James? Oh, Colin, Colin is a fantastic Canadian guitar player. I don't know if you guys know about his roots, but, you know, when he was a young starting player, he got in touch with Stevie Ray Vaughan and said, he was in Canada. He said, I'll come down there on my own dime and I'll tech for you if you just show me how to play. And he embodied everything Stevie Ray Vaughan did. I mean... You know, he was there with him, so he was the king, and still is, the king of attack guitar. He just got into the big band thing a little bit later, but when I was playing with him, it was raw blues. I mean, we did 21 days at the Olympia in Paris with uh, Johnny Halliday, who was a big uh, French rock star. We did 21 days opening for him because he had played um, some guest stuff on Johnny's record, and we got to do that. And Johnny was such a big star that 
Every night, he would have to hide in the trunk of a car to get away from the vengeance. <laughs> it was crazy. But Colin and I, I mean, I, you know, he, he, he let me sing. He let me wail. He let me play. It was a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. Right. And then what was the difference? Because I know as well, and you mentioned her already, was Cindy Lauper. How was that experience with her? Well, I, I got a chance to, uh, the opportunity to play with Cindy because uh, I made a friend with Felicia Collins, who uh, had been with Thompson Twins when I first met her. And she was a protege of, of Nile Rogers. Felicia and I became friends. And then Felicia ended up working with Cindy. And then she got the call to go to David Letterman. So Cindy was then auditioning because she wanted to replace a girl with a girl. So Felicia let me know, hey, she's auditioning. And I, I went down to New York and, and at the audition, Phoebe Snow was there in the room. And uh, Phoebe was like, I like this girl. Maybe you should keep her. <laughs> but, you know, Cindy and I are great friends. I'm, I'm one of the godmothers of her son. And, you know, we just did some things together during COVID. And we're probably going to be doing some more things coming up. And it, it, it just opened up a great friendship. Right. And then those are, those are the experiences. And, you know, let's see as well. Because you played on, on not only Emancipation, getting added to that, you played on New Power Soul, The Crystal Ball Set, and The Truth. Now, how was it with, uh, with The Truth and with Crystal Ball? Like, with Truth, basically. How is it playing on The Truth? Well, the thing is, we were just recording. He mm -hmm. chose what went on which album. We had no idea. We had no idea this was going on that, that was going on this. All that was in his head. He was the master controller. He was the air traffic control. He would come up with an idea and say, hey, okay, put some slide on this. I like that thing you did in rehearsal when you were just messing around. And, you know, put a little this on that. We were just constantly creating music. So he made those decisions. I had no idea until it came out. <laughs> right. Of course. And of course, guys, make sure, again, we're going to reiterate, please make sure this Saturday, tune in to the show so you can hear more stories with Kat, with Rhonda, with Maite, with Cora, and of course, hosted by Sinbad. This is an event you're not going to want to miss this Saturday. Um, now, other things, because I know that you and Paul Peterson go back a little bit as well, because you guys were in a few bands together, whether it was um, for for uh, TV or not. Tell me how those experiences yeah, were. That's like a regular gig. Yeah, it was. I mean, I met the Petersons when I was in Minneapolis, but Paul wasn't uh, part of Paisley at that time. But then when I moved to L.A., uh, I was approached by... Uh, Marie Osmond's band leader uh, as I was leaving from doing the Magic Hour with Sheila which was another LA TV show it had just wrapped and he said hey I've been looking for you you play guitar we, we, we want you to play with us and when I got there Paul was there <laughs> so he was a part of that band and that's how we started <clears throat> playing together but you know I met the Peterson family before that but only socially because I you know you can't be in Minneapolis and not go see them play. They're just 
you know, and his, his mom was like everybody's mom and your brothers and sisters just made you feel like you were family and, you know, just fantastic. Right. Now, compared to touring with Prince and the randomness that you'd have to where sometimes you wouldn't know when the next city you'd be playing in or how long the show would be. The TV grind though, that's a little different where it's day after day and doing stuff. What was, what was harder touring with touring with Prince or the TV grind? Well, they're very different. They're very, they were very different thing because uh -huh. you, you know, Prince was, it was, we pretty much didn't, know what we were going to do until he got there. And he had an idea of what he wanted us to do, but we didn't know. With television, you know exactly who's coming. You know exactly how it's going to be. You know exactly who the guests are. You do your prep. You know, it is, it's got a, it's got an energy and a flow to it that's very organized. But Dick <clears throat> Clark was the executive producer. And sometimes we would shoot two <clears throat> days of shows in a day. So it'd be 12 to sometimes 15, 16 hours. So it was still the same long periods of time, but just very different um, as far as format goes. With Prince, right. there was no format. You know, you knew you were going to work, but you'd get there and he'd go, uh, okay, today you're going to go and work on choreography for four hours. Okay, uh, now we're going to stop and take, take a break, and I want you to play that lick you played for me on this song. You, you never knew. You just had to be ready for everything. With television, you know exactly what was happening. Right. I don't know. Like that TV grind and the hours are a little bit more normal for a musician. <laughs> you know, they're more of a nine to fiver. Yeah. Oh, lost her. Hopefully we can get her back. Jackie, let me know. Um, but yes. While we're doing that, oh, here she comes again. Awesome. Hopefully we'll have better audio this time. Hey there. I got kicked off. <laughs> it's, 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 our, it's our governor with the power outage. No, I'm playing. Well, I mean, well, they are rolling blackouts, so there's all kinds of stuff happening. In it's craziness. Welcome to 2020. Hey, that's why I'm outside. At least they can't do a rolling blackout with the sun. It's going to be up until a certain time. Right. I mean, and yesterday was the hottest it has been ever. It beat record temperatures here in California. Like, we're talking like 30 years, and Death Valley got to 130 degrees, which was the hottest temperature on record ever. Good Lord. But you're looking cool. And, and that was my and that was, and that was my pick up my supplies day, which yesterday. Tuesday is usually my day. So I right. was out there in it. So trust me. That's why I'm sitting here doing this. Hilarious. Now here's one question we have <laughs> uh, from the audience that wanna know. And it Hopefully this wasn't discussed on Saturday or something that that um, will not be discussed on Saturday. Excuse me. Uh, could we hear one funny thing about Prince? One funny. If you can well, think of any, unless he was always us. serious. He would. He would always joke with us because in, in in the rehearsals he was always changing things, and 
you know, within a week, he might change one song's arrangement 30 times. And I had to come up with a, a way to write it down because he wouldn't let us record at that time. Because I think when I came in, some engineer had taken rehearsal tapes, boxed them up as if they were music and was selling them in Europe. So I had to write things down. So he would come over to me and, and look at the paper and say, I know you're not writing anything. What are you writing? And he's like, where's that lick I just showed you? And I showed it to him. He's like, nobody would understand that. It looks like pigeons dancing on a piece of paper. <laughs> you know, I'm used to guys joking and laughing and joking and laughing and, you know, playing a dozens because I have four brothers. So he would always, but he would always, always get very close to me. So most times I was the only one that he heard it because it was the joke of me. So, so you know. We, I mean, we had a brother and sister type thing, you know, he he used to get on me about wearing glasses in Paisley, but I, I, I used to get headaches from the, the, the lights, the fluorescent lights that were in Paisley at the time. And my optometrist said, look, if you wear something with a blue tint, you know, your eyes won't be as tired. And he's like, well, why are you wearing shades all the time? Larry Graham doesn't wear shades all the time, and Chuck Khan doesn't wear shades all the time. I was like, yeah, they don't get a headache from being in here 16 hours, you know. So, I mean, we always had little stuff going, like brothers and sisters, you know what I mean? It was always something. It was always something, but it was cool. You know, like I said, I got four brothers. I've been playing with men all my life. I'm, I'm not very thin-skinned, as it were, so, it, you know. That'd but be awesome. But it was awesome, fun. Though. It was fun. <laughs> it's definitely an experience. Here's um another question. It says, how many songs would you have to rehearse to prepare for a Prince concert slash after show? <laughs> it always changed. I think when I when we when we jumped on tour, I think I had made notes on at least 130 songs because there was always something different you wanted to do with. Right. And, you know, unless you're a genius or a computer, he said, unless you're a genius or a computer, write it down. And that's what I did. And I think my last count was like 130. But then we get out there and he'd be like, I think tonight I want to do some Al Green, but not the Al Green that you, this song. Or, you know, at this after party, we go into that town. So let's learn this. We went to Memphis. He wanted to learn the funky chicken. You know what I mean? We went to this town. He wanted to learn something from somebody, you know, famous from that town because they were going to come and sit in. So, you know, it, 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 there was true. there was no real. There, it was always in flux. It was very much a moving, changing, absorbing music machine. You know, right. All right. It's always like it's unpredictable when it come, would come to a set list or stuff that he'd want to add or take out, do all these other things with. That can be challenging at times, but it's also it makes it more fun because you're not doing you're not being repetitive. You may know what you're going to open with, but you don't know the other things, you know, it makes it interesting, though. Right now, here's absolutely never a, bo never a boring a dull moment. Never. Never. I would imagine that with him out of other people for sure. Now, here's a question that we have from Susie. 
what was one thing about Prince that drove you crazy, but now you can laugh about? Um, I, I, I can't say there was any one thing because we were all about the music. You know, we were all about getting it done. You know, we, we were all about that. So, um, I, I can't, like I said, I got brothers. They drove me crazy. Prince, uh, any man I met after my four brothers is easy. Because <laughs> I, I went through the driving crazy through my childhood. So, so I, you know, I can't, I can't say there was anything that did that. I mean, everybody's got their way of doing things. And you either flow with the rhythm of that mm-hmm. or you don't, you know. And uh, I'd like to think that in my time there in the most revolving door seat of that band, which is guitar, because he played guitar. So sometimes he had guitars, sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he had two, sometimes he had one, sometimes he had his own set. You know, even when I left Paisley and came to LA, we still ended up doing things together. He would call me, he would watch me and Paul on Donnie and Marie and call me up and said, uh, that third thing y'all played was kind of funky. <laughs> and then he would try to, fly me into Minneapolis. Oh, I'll get you back in town for the show. I'm like, dude, I can't do that. You know? So he was always watching. He was always looking. I mean, I I, I was playing at a, an, an event here in LA and he showed up at a club and said, okay, I want to play. I said, well, first don't throw my guitar. And then, and then he says, okay, I won't, but I want your glasses too. So he said, I'm not going to play your guitar unless I have your I had a, some really fly eyewear. So he he insisted on having those on. <laughs> Hilarious. So he would just show up, you know, he would show up and uh, he would call and we would go to his house and play, you know, the parties after the NAACP thing was just crazy with everybody there. So, you know, it, it was an ongoing thing. You know, I met Dave Chappelle with him at the House of Blues when he played there the last time and it was just great and fantastic. So, you know, Right. Like a brother, I miss you, you know. Hilarious. Um, another another question from Susie. She wants to know, like, how how did you meet Prince? How did they, how did it come about that you were part of the band? Um, well, Rhonda and I met um, Sheila. Well, initially I met Sheila at the NAMM show. And Rhonda and I were there um, promoting Godin Guitars from Canada. Uh, and then we went over to the a European uh, version of them, which is the Mesa, uh, that's in Germany. And Sheila saw us again, but she finally caught us playing together. And she stayed and stuck around for our presentation. And she approached us and said, um, Sony Records has asked me to put an all-female super band together. So I've been talking to Wendy and Lisa. I've been talking to Michelle and Degacello, And you girls are great. And would you like to be a part of it? And we were like, yeah. I was still living in Montreal then, and uh, she said, well, send me a package of all the stuff you kind of do, all the styles you can play in, and we sent her this big package of us doing rock and blues and everything, you know, thinking, she's like, do do you write to him? We were like, yeah, we write, and it was very general, and we thought we were getting together with Sheila and a bunch of other women to write an originals project, but a couple of months after that, she got in touch with Rhonda and myself and said, Prince just decided he wants to work with women. He's changing his band. 
and he wants you guys to come up and audition. So Sheila facilitated all of that. Awesome. Very cool. And with the with the Sheila thing, um, someone asked, "Are you still in touch with Sheila?" Of course absolutely. you are, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Every day, her her family is like. My California family away from home because my, my my blood family is in Virginia, but the Escovitos are you know are my Cali family for sure. So absolutely, we we're in touch every day. Now another question that we had, um, this one was from Cody. He wants to know if there was a full co-ed album that was recorded. Um, not full. We were writing, we were working, and then everybody got super busy and. You know, uh, projects, you know, gigs, tours, uh, but uh, not a full record. But we were working and, you know, we we're in talks. You never know. Right. <laughs> now, I know I know the answer to this question, but I think they'd rather hear it from you. Oh, you do? Question, question we have. <laughs> Did you only have a work relationship with Prince or did you guys hang out, eat together, maybe watch a movie or something? Well, from time to time, he would, he, the band would join him in doing things like that because movies he liked, bowling alleys he liked, you know, when we would have a moment where we weren't doing music. That happened a few times, yeah. But, you know, like I said, music was the centerpiece of everything. Mm. It was the centerpiece of everything, but... Uh, you know, and there were times where, you know, I'd come in because Paisley had its own, you know, kitchen and I would cook for him or, you know, whoever, you know, it was a family kind of thing. You didn't, you didn't really think about it as a thing. You just kind of mm. worked, you ate, you went back to work, you know, you laughed, you joked, you took a break, you went back to music and it was a, a rhythm to it, you know? Right. I just knew that would be it, but I'd rather have you explain it to me, just assume it. Um, with <laughs> with Reginald, that's a long one. Kat, you were there with Prince during a very pivotal time in his career with the fight with Warner Brothers and the name change. Being on the inside, did you guys understand and have clarity on what he was trying to accomplish? Well, what I knew was he was tired of the status quo and he was tired of feeling like he was bound and chained by, you know, the way things were supposed to be. And he just, when they came at him with, you can't use your name that you were born with, and you can't do this. The minute you tell someone like him, you can't, that's when there's a problem. So he found out a way to make the can't into a can. And I think that he reshaped the music industry for everyone that's a true artist, especially the creators of music, the, you know, the, 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 the artists that actually write their own songs and own that material and it, and it originates from them and they, and they feel ownership and they feel connected to it. He gave them a voice that maybe they didn't think they needed, but it changed everybody. When he did it, everybody thought he was crazy. But he knew exactly what he wanted to do, and he wanted to be free. That's why he wrote Slave on his face. He was tired. I mean, the first show I did with him on television was Letterman, and he had Slave on his face, and he didn't even stay to talk. Right. Because, you know, 
he was he was there, but he was there in protest. <laughs> you know, he was making his he point. He went off stage, and Dave is standing, and Dave is standing there looking at me like, "Where did he go?" And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "That was hilarious with with Dave and that whole situation of him just not wanting nothing to do with them. Free TLC and poof, disappear. Exactly. Right. Believe me. And I mean, I, and I knew Dave because Felicia was my friend and I had been to that set many times. All those guys in the band were friends of mine. And Dave's talking to me and I'm like, I don't have the answer. Right. <laughs> now, remember, guys, you are not getting everything from Kat right now. You got to make sure on Saturday, the PRN alumni, she's always on my hair. If you want to hear more. There's going to be a lot more and along with Candy and Maite and Shelby. Yes. You guys got to be in on that. This is just giving you a little taste. You got to make sure to get your ticket to that and be there on it. Um, another question, like, I guess we'll talk about the Letterman thing now, but someone asked a question. They don't see you're not drinking tea and they're wanting you to spill it. You're drinking wine, but they're wanting to know how – Prince was after the Rosie O'Donnell appearance, if you remember that. You don't have to say anything if you don't want to. Um, About Rosie O'Donnell. Your audio is oh, when he did the your Rosie audio, O'Donnell. Audio... Yes. Are you hearing me still? Okay. Yeah. How, how, how was he after the show, if you remember that? Speaking of Letterman, let's go to Rosie how... a little bit. How was how was Rosie after the show or how was how Prince, was after, Prince the after the show? After um, after they did Rosie and you know, you like let her know nicely in my opinion. You know, if you say Taffy one more time, well, it rhymes with good night. Well, on both shows, he left ahead of us. And we we only saw him after after the Letterman show. Mm. Um, next time I saw him. We were in a studio all night long jamming with Michelle and Degacello. He found a studio and we jammed till four or five o'clock in the morning. It was like that day didn't even, that thing was just precursor to, to a jam. You know, we just, we just got in a creative space and it wasn't even talked about, you know, right. the TV shows he did because they were an obligation, but there was no big chat or discussion about it. It was something that he did and was like, okay, let's get back to the music. Everything was, it felt like everything was kind of like a commercial, but the music was the main program. <laughs> it's like, okay, we got to go do this TV show. Okay, we got to go do this thing. Okay, we got to, now let's back to the, you know, back to, you know, that was a word from our sponsor. Now back to it. <laughs> right. You know. Now, Jeremy has a question. Was there any songs that you cut with Prince that have not been released yet? I don't know because we did so much music and some some of it didn't have lyrics some of it was you know just me adding to something that he let me hear sonically that he wanted me to add something to differently maybe on acoustic or maybe with slide or maybe with this or maybe with that and there was so much of it going on at all times that just in the vault darling i i don't have the answer to that one. i don't <laughs> I, I like this one, and I see Robin. I see your question too. But Billy, he wants to know if you can still play guitar with your teeth. 
as long as I have teeth, yes. <laughs> it's a Jimi Hendrix thing. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. There you go. And now with Robin with this one, I can put this one on the screen. Robin wants to know, what's your favorite type of music to listen to for fun? Okay, you're, you're breaking up again, your audio. What's your favorite type of music to listen to for fun? For fun? Yeah. <laughs> now there's a um, word. I've actually recently just been listening to a lot of solfeggio frequencies, which is healing and solfeggio frequencies, which are, you know, tones and, and merge with um, nature, merge with the sound of a, a, a forest, merge with, with whale sounds, merge with, you know, that is calming to me and it kind of erases maybe what I'm doing or what I'm working on. You know, I don't know about fun, but that does, it, it keeps the clutter of the news, of the politics, of everything. It, it, it washes the slate clean. Um, I, I listen to all kinds of music at all times. I mean, there's, you know, that's like asking a woman, uh, what's your favorite pair of shoes? And she's going to from what I'm wearing, you know? So, you know, um, but what makes me calm and what, you know, sends me back to a square one is a more meditative kind of free flow. And that's how I start my my um, practices every day. It just a uh, uh, Victor Wooten wrote about that flow, and you know I ended up buying one of those loopers where you just you know kind of float into your um, practice in a, in a meditative way, and then you know you get to the nuts and bolts of it, but you float into it. So I, I tend to do, especially in these times more of that and it keeps me more centered and a little bit away from the chaos you know right definitely now another and i love this question uh jamie wants to know how old were you when you learned to play guitar and i believe there was another one that had a follow but what age did you know that your music was going to be your life how old were you when you wanted to play guitar and how old were you when you knew music was going to be your life um well, I was always singing, and I was always in choirs from very young. Uh, and we were Catholic in a southern state. So the first song I ever learned to sing was Ave Maria. And our services were in Latin. So the first things I learned how to sing were in another language that wasn't even English. Um, I uh, got my first guitar when I was uh, 10. And... Um, we used to have a little, in a little town that I grew up in, they used to have a Sunday paper where they give you the, you know, the comics and the this section and the that section. And they learn how to play this song. And, you know, every week they give you a little piece of that song to learn. And, you know, my mom, I said, mom, you know, all the boys on my block were getting guitars for Christmas. I'm like, mom, I want a guitar. I want a guitar, even though I was taking piano. And um, I, uh, she bought me a guitar and then the next year she passed away suddenly from my aneurysm. So, you know, um, guitar was my way to remember her 
to mourn her, to not forget about her. So um, that pushed me forward. But, you know, I started messing around with, with guitar, you know, in the neighborhood when I was like 10. And, you know, we were all kind of in the backyard, you know, kind of trying to be Jimi Hendrix or trying to be James Brown or trying to be, you know, whoever was loud and wrong. And my father was a jazz guy, so he didn't allow us to listen to any of that. So I rebelled against him by wanting to be as loud and as crazy as I could be. That wasn't jazz. <laughs> Test for sure. That one. Um, they're wanting to know is your family, like your parents and brothers, are, are there are they musicians too? Were they involved in music at all? No. Not at all. Not at all. Wow. Not at all. Not at all. My father was uh, um, ex-military, he was an army guy. Um, my mom, you know, managed to have eight children before she passed at 34 and but she had two or three jobs she was a nurse uh nurse's aide she was a hair you know hairdresser uh, beautician assistant and she also worked for a catering company that only did jewish and italian functions because uh evidently in the south some of the higher up companies did not want to serve them so my mom learned how to cook like the Italians and cook like the Jewish people. So our lunches for the school were really interesting. <laughs> and she made everything she learned uh, a geography lesson. She made it about let's let's open up the history books. Let's open up. Let's find this place on the map. Now tell me about that country. She would make everything a, you know a learning situation. So did my dad. So you know we uh, even though we grew up in Virginia, we right. We, we, we were given the wanderlust to, to see the world by my mom and dad, but neither of them played music at all. But there was a lot of music playing in our home all the time. Dad was jazz, my mom was gospel and um, some jazz and opera as well. And she showed me Odetta. She's like, if you're gonna play guitar, I wanna show you someone that looks like you doing what you wanna do. But she kept seeing all the rock guys. She's like, well, they don't look like you. But she does look like that. And years later, I actually met Odetta, and it was a full circle moment, absolutely for sure. That's awesome. Now, to me, because like as a kid, music was an escape. It was something like if my family members, if they were involved in it, I probably wouldn't want anything to do with it. So I wanted that escape. So I can understand that totally. Um, yeah, Harvey, I think he's talking about co-ed and other stuff, but Harvey wants to know, didn't you and Rhonda Smith play in another band together? Oh, yeah. In, in Montreal, I had a blues band, and she was in my band, and uh, I played with her, and she played with a, a lot of, uh, I played with a, a jazz fusion band, but then um, the name of that band was Trucon, and we won Star Search in the 80s, which is where I met Sinbad. But after that, I, I got onto a blues path of my own, and and hosted the blues festival with Buddy Guy, and, you know, many, many, uh, Jesse May Hemphill was still alive. She played that. We got Buddy Guy to do an acoustic set with just him and an acoustic guitar. And he did like, ain't that peculiar. And, you know, R&B, just him on, on acoustic and just singing and just, woo, you know. And Rhonda played in my band on my singles, and, you know. And then, you know, she was also, she had a couple <laughs> of bands that she was working in. So we were working together in Montreal way before we got here. Yeah. 
Now, another person I'm seeing with a question, let me see. What, was there an artist that you loved as a little girl, as a little kid? And were you ever able to meet that person or perform with them? Someone that you grew up listening to? Um, B.B. King. B.B. <laughs> King. Yeah, I got to meet him. I got to meet him and he let me try his guitar, but it was really hard because the strings are really heavy. And when he shook Ooh. my hand, my whole hand disappeared. But his hands were big, but he was the nicest man. Um, I got a chance to meet Joe Pass, who my father idolized. Uh, he also gave me a lesson and let me play his guitar. I got to meet uh, John McLaughlin. Um, I got to meet Aldi Miola uh, with Chick Corea and those guys in Return of Forever. Um, you know, and, and John Schofield, who, you know, is just everything. I got to meet him uh, in Montreal when he was playing with Miles Davis. Mm -hmm. And I actually went down to New York and took a lesson with him. And, you know, all those guys were super cool and encouraging and, you know, mm -hmm. um, just good vibes, you know. Just like if you want it, you're going to have to work at it, but don't mm -hmm. let anybody take you off your path. Listen was a general message, you know, from all of them. And, you know, each one of them said it in their own way, but that was it. Definitely. Now I see with Revolution on YouTube, they're asking like, why don't you play Emancipation more? But we understand that Emancipation was already completed and he had you beyond that more. So the other projects that you were able to be in, how was it, comparatively when you're being asked to add stuff onto emancipation, but then you're also later on being asked to create stuff that would appear on future projects. What was more um, fun for you to do to add on stuff to it or be there from the beginning to create the process with Prince? Oh no, it, 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 it was all, all good it, 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 because it all had a different entry point. You know what I mean? So it was all creation, you know, and wherever I can come in, I, I'm a team person and wherever I can come in and contribute, it's not more fun than or not. It's, you know, if I can come in and give something that's needed, it's like, you know, it's like making gumbo. If you can put that one thing in it and make it taste good and you weren't around when everybody else was doing the hard work, that's good too. You know, uh, right. as long as I could be a part of the whole of it being uh, something that touched people, that's all I care about. I don't really have a big ego about, well, I wrote that or I created that. Or, uh, I'm, I'm not that. I'm, not <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be, you know, if, you know, and, I, and, and, you know, he and I laughed about it. He's like, if you play one note or 20 on the one. And sometimes that one note is all you need. I mean, he and I would sit and listen to James Brown music, listen to those two guitar players play. He's like, okay. And he, he had gotten these mixes that had one guitar player on one side and one on the other. And we would just trip out and say, okay, he's going to, we get to one section. The guy would just play, darn it. And he, darn it. <laughs> it's like, but it was so funky inside of everything else, but he owned that part. And mm -hmm. if that part wasn't there, it wouldn't have been as funky. So, right. 
I'm digging that. Someone brought up, I'm looking for it, but uh, they would love to have seen you and Buddy Guy play together. Someone put that on there. Hmm? They would love to see you and Buddy Guy play together. Oh, he was so nice. I mean, but that was pre-internet and pre-whatever. I, You know, I, I think that the Montreal Jazz people had something to do with that blues festival. Maybe they filmed some of it, but I kind of feel like there's no footage of it, but it was, it was such a great, a great time, you know. <clears throat> Another thing, um, the, someone says they love reggae. They're wanting to know if you played with any reggae artists. Um, actually, <laughs> Cindy Lauper and I went down to Jamaica and did a reggae version of "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" with Sly and Robbie. Patra mm -hmm. did a dance hall rap. I mean, we were there in Kingston, in studio with these guys. Um, my band, Trucon, also opened for UB40. We opened for uh, a couple of ragged bands at festivals in uh, Montreal. And, you know, we wrote in that style as well. Mm -hmm. And I got to play with uh, Ziggy Marley. So that in itself was fantastic, too. I got to work with him and... and uh, record with him as well so reggae is you know it's a feeling you know it's the vibe definitely and if you guys are wanting to hear that reggae version if you're looking to stream or whatnot but it's also on cindy's um greatest hits album 12 deadly sins c-y-n-s yes and that's yes. i love that version of that song that you brought that up so Man, you know we, we laughed so hard we had so much fun and Cindy, at one point, at the end of one session, tried to actually smoke ganja with those guys. And I'm like, you got it. I'm not messing around. <laughs> we had such a good time. It sounded like it, for sure. Um, yes, Cat was on the Jam of the Year tour. And let's see. Try to look for other things before we wrap up. Um, they want to know if you've been invited to any of the celebrations at Paisley yet. And I'm hoping I. Uh, yes, yes, I, yes. I played at the last two or three celebrations. Yes, the first See? one I missed because I was, uh, I was in Europe, but I've played in the last few. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's why I want to make sure that they're hearing that that they're being they're being questioned on it. People wanted to know if Prince ever talked with you about bootlegs. Well, he talked in general. He didn't, you know, like I said, we, we were in rehearsal. We weren't allowed to even, you know, record rehearsals. So, you know. Right. Because somebody recorded something and sold it <laughs> from a rehearsal like it was a record. It's like, who does that? But somebody did it, you know. I mean, right. you know, the art we, the art that we create you know, also is not only our life, but it is our life. And, right. you know, definitely just like anything that you do for your life's work, it should be monetized and you should be compensated. So, you know, exactly. A, boot, a bootleg is not that. Bootleg <laughs> is kind of like streaming now a little bit, a little bit, just a little we'll, bit. we'll leave it at that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Gotta that's, make sure the that's arc a whole another hour. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now people wanted to know this, and you don't have to, you know, put onto it, but they want to know like when Prince was in a bad mood, was he silent? Did he did he take it out on stuff? I would just I would just see him probably wanting to create and try to get over that mood, but you would be there. How would you know? I, How would it be? I I I I never encountered that as far as moods go because you know if if music is your way to get from point A to point B, no matter what's going on, then nobody knows about your mood but you. But you know, uh, we were just there, you know, to create and facilitate. So I never really saw that. You know, and that was a private part of him. For us, it was just, what do you think about this? Let's get it done. Let's do some more. No, let's do some more. You know, if anything, I had to kind of say, bruh, sleep. One time he called me at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm talking to you. <laughs> He's like, you're not asleep? I'm like, you're not asleep. You know? <laughs> right. You know, so uh, I think uh, music was the bomb. You know, it was uh, the way in and the way out. So I, I never really saw uh, bad moods or throwing things or all that. I mean, that happened maybe way before I got there. I, I you know, I, I met a very mature, very focused person. Um, he was very driven to do as much good and as much art and leave as much, you know, creativity on this planet as he could. So I, I, I didn't I didn't experience it like that. Sorry for those people who oh, just believe that's, it. that's your answer it and I love experience. it. I love it. I love it. Um, Kevin wants to know this because uh, we know that Savion Glover is credited on that, but they want to know if that's you talking on Joint to Joint on the Emancipation album. Okay, you got to say that again. You kind of went into um, on joint to joint. Or is that you that's talking on the song? Someone's asking. Kevin's asking. Uh, talk. I'm, I'm joint to, on the question. song. Joint to joint from Emancipation. I, I, I still, I still can't. It, was it typed? Cool. Is it typed somewhere? All we'll I get to talking it. It's all good. Lastly, we're going to wrap it up. And if you guys want to hear more from her, we got to make sure to be on the PRN alumni. She's always in my hair Saturday. But a personal question wants to know, um, they want to know which part of the world have you liked living in the most and which was the most open to you as a female guitarist? Which part of the world what? Um, which, which part of the world have you liked living in the most and then which was most open to you as a female guitarist? I, I'm really, I'm really losing your audio now. I don't know what's going okay. on. Okay. We're just going to leave it at that. Okay. We're just going to leave it at that, but make sure this Saturday, you only got a taste of cat today. Make sure on this Saturday that you're there for the PRN alumni. She's always in my hair event this Saturday, $10. Make sure to have, we're going to be dropping the link. If someone has it, make sure to post it, but we'll make sure the link is on here for the shows. But cat, I want to thank you now so I much. Hear you. Now I hear you. Ask me that last question one more time. Okay. Someone wanted to know 
what, which part of the world have you liked living in the most and which was most open to you as a female guitarist? Oh, I hate to say everywhere but the United States, but it's just true. Huh. <laughs> wow. I hate to say it. Um, um, it, it. It is not about a female guitarist. It's about music in general. Um, outside, see, America, we're spoiled. We get a lot of the best of everything. And we kind of take it for granted and we don't look at, at, the, at, at it as the same. In Europe, musicians are sometimes looked upon just like doctors, just like lawyers, because they give people something and it's healing and it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're not considered non-essential. So, and you feel that energy. You feel the respect. Uh, you feel that people uh, get that, you know, you had to work to be a professional. Mm -hmm. Where here, you know, you got learn guitar in three easy lessons. <laughs> <laughs> it comes on late at night and makes everybody think that they could do it. So um, it's looked more upon outside of this country. I think American musicians are just respected more outside of the country, just like when you go home to your hometown. Somebody's going to say, hey, I knew you win. You know, you're respected more outside of your hometown. So it's not so much as a female musician. It's just being considered a professional. It just means a little bit more outside of this country you know i mean in, in in france you know they give their musicians pensions they get you know the ones that are keeping jazz alive the ones that are keeping the roots music alive the ones that are playing blues you know the people that are keeping the art alive they subsidize them they make sure that they're taken care of you know the government feels that this art is worth preserving whereas here they're cutting every music program out of the schools cutting the music out of everything you know, wanting to get rid of radio stations, you know, we're not essential. We're still not back to work. So. Right. Right. I feel you on that. Cat. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank I'm you. I'm sorry so if that got a little bit too real, but you did ask me. No, I, we love it. We need real here. I think we need to have more real conversations, have the difficult conversations, bring stuff to the forefront. So I appreciate that, you know, and I think more, more people, we need to have those uncomfortable conversations sometimes, especially right now. Well, the, the more you talk, the less uncomfortable they be. And if you have the conversation and you got some of this while you have the conversation, then they're not so bad. You just say what you gotta say. Exactly get on with it right exactly i'm with you on that cat thank <laughs> you so much for being on the show i really appreciate it it's been such an honor guys thank you please. doctor i've been i've been watching and reading yourself for years it's good to finally meet you thank you i i would see you at events i just i would be my own thing just kind of watching everything well see i didn't know your face i just read things you wrote over the years and your and your, you know, your critiques and all the stuff. And, you know, a lot of fans write a lot of things over the years. Some of it was cool and some of it was subjective and some of it was not so nice. But, you know, I'm a big girl. I keep my big girl pants on all the time. And I take everything in in a way that it can be used to make what I do a little bit better. So I thank you for 
hanging in there and being a part of the Purple Mosaic. Thank you. You know, I appreciate for, it. For Thank giving you. All right. And we will definitely have you on again. People are already asking for you to come back. Make sure this Saturday, PRN alumni, she's always in my hair. Make sure to get your ticket. Be there. Sinbad will be hosting. You're going to have Kat. You're going to have Candy, Cora, uh, Cora Coleman, Candy Dolfer. I'm sorry. I say things by the names just because I know them. Maite Garcia, Shelby J, and Rhonda Smith. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's a hell of a band right there. Right? That's a hell of a band right there. That's an idea. We won't talk about that right now. We won't talk about that now. <laughs> well, Sinbad plays some bongos. Everybody bongo. stay funky. Exactly. Stay funky, stay safe. And love on each other. For sure. Thank you so much, Kat. We'll see you Saturday, okay? Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. Kat was amazing. Please, please, please make sure to support the PRN alumni event this Saturday. She's always in my hair going to Chance Howard. It is so important. We're going to be coming back um, for an after show. I'm trying to see if I missed any of your questions or whatnot. But... Give me like five, 10 minutes. And we're going to come back on the after show. We got some things to discuss. And also, uh, we're going to let you know on who's going to be the next guest uh, that we're going to have on the show. Thank you so much, Jackie. Appreciate you. Um, Kat, appreciate you. And uh, thank you guys again for subscribing on YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music. We're expanding and we're going to be going on that um but join us the sign off get a little bit more comfortable in this 100 degree heat and uh show you the shirt we're wearing underneath uh revolution in the future we're always open to that but we will be back uh give me about five ten minutes we're just going to wrap this one up so we'll have the audio and I'll be back with you guys to discuss some news and the future because I think we're all looking forward to 2021, right? You feel me on that? Okay, guys, much love. Uh, till next time, which will be quite shortly. Keep it funky. <laughs>